Chapter 27 Ben woke up in a hospital bed. He looked around and didn't recognize the room. Minimal furniture. None of the usual medical machinery. Not even a get-well card or a vase of flowers. The walls were painted a color he couldn't even recognize. Their overall impression hinted at a subtle sense of desperation in the room. Then he noticed the restraints pinning him to the bed. That was also new. He looked around and didn't see a call button for the nurse. Not that he could reach it, he realized. Hello, Ben called out. He heard approaching footsteps. Then he heard the door unlock. His eyebrows went up again. Minutes later, two sets of footsteps approached. Again, the door unlocked and opened. Only this time, it was the orderly and Dr. Granger. The orderly remained outside after he opened the door for the doctor. Oh, thank God. A familiar face, Ben exclaimed. Hello, Ben. How are you feeling? Fine. Why am I here and why am I in restraints? Police orders. You had a psychotic break and evidence suggests you injured someone, the doctor stated. Ben twitched when she mentioned him hurting someone. She took note of that. The police found pieces of someone's teeth, a lot of them, and quite a bit of blood on the driveway. None of this was from you, so it was determined that it belonged to Mr. Stern. He was inside the storm door, then he was on the driveway. That's a description the police received from a Mr. Barry. Walker, a neighbor who was watching with binoculars from directly across the court. Do you remember confronting Mr. Stern? The doctor asked. Ben thought back to the event. I got home and talked with Tina. Is she okay? The doctor nodded. She told me what happened when Stern got home. I went to see if I could tell if Ashley was all right. He frowned as something flashed by in his mind. I rang the doorbell a few times until he showed up. I couldn't see. Ben stopped as the old man stood before him in the dark breathing hard, fists clenched, foul breath reeking of whiskey. Ben. Sorry. What? Ben blinked. Why did you stop just then? What did you remember? The doctor pressed. Remember. Oh, I was in the driveway. Then I was kneeling next to her, but it wasn't. The crumpled and broken body of the sweet old woman who loved him was curled in a fetal position on the ground behind the picnic table. She wasn't breathing. Ben. Ben. He jolted against his restraints and looked around, frightened and confused. His memory had holes. Who is Mrs. Cosburn? Dr. Granger asked. Ben stared at the doctor blankly, then his eyes rolled up and he was out. She checked his pulse, which was a little fast, then she left. Hannah sat with Dr. Granger and listened to the woman describe her meeting with Ben. Damn, something in his past really hurt him. How do we find out about this Mrs. Cosburn? The doctor looked grim. I am assuming, hoping actually, that she was one of his foster parents. If she was then, there may be records of what happened. I've got a call in to my contact at Child Health Services to see if I can get the records of Ben's time in the system. The police are investigating from their side. Can he have visitors? Hannah asked. Dr. Granger looked at the administrator. She knew Hannah had feelings for her patient, but she trusted the woman's concern for his well-being was stronger. 
Yes, but the restraints stay on, she said, pinning Hannah with her gaze. Ben woke up in the room again. He looked around, but the doctor was no longer in the room. He went back to her questions. His mind shied away from something there. He found himself pulling at his restraints, so he relaxed as best he could. Ben's head was pounding from a headache. He called out to see if the orderly could get him some painkillers. The wait this time was much longer, but when he heard footsteps, he could tell there was more than one coming. The door unlocked and Hannah came in. The relief to see her face was almost physical. He smiled and tears welled up, but he blinked them away and took control of his emotions. Hi, Ben. Hi, Hannah. I'm in your hospital. This doesn't look like your hospital, he said with a shaky voice. Psych ward. Oldest section in the building. Is everyone okay? he asked. Hannah snorted. Ben's in the hospital, and he's worried about the others. Yes, Ben, they're okay. Ashley? Madison? Savannah? Joshua? Ashley will be going home in a day or two. She has some broken ribs, a concussion, bruises over most of her body, and three broken fingers on one hand. The girls are better, bruises only. Madison needed a new cast. Joshua wasn't hurt at all. When Ashley leaves, she'll be staying with Tina at your place. That's where her daughters are now. Daphne's taking care of Joshua. Ashley's husband? Elijah Ray Stern is in the wind. He may be badly hurt. He lost teeth, skin, and blood on the driveway, but he hasn't shown up in any hospitals or walk. In clinics, the police are hunting him. He was out on bail from attacking a prostitute. In Las Vegas, I know. Ben finished. Hannah looked at him, stunned. Ben saw the look and explained. I didn't know who he was when I met him here. I just returned from Austin, Texas, where I was doing some work for a company called Stern Enterprises. The chief engineer told me the CEO was in Las Vegas, bailing his son out of jail for assaulting a prostitute. He said the man's name was Ray Stern. He told me the whole story about how bad this guy was how he drove his first wife to commit suicide, how he hurt people all the time and was a mean drunk, Ben twitched, but seemed unaware of it. I got back and I thought the new neighbor's name was Eli Beaumont. I stupidly never connected the two together. Ben thought about that madman still on the loose. You have to do something for me. Hannah looked nervously at his restraints. Call Tina and give her a message. She relaxed. The code to my workshop... One, nine, seven, three. If there's trouble, she is to get everyone inside and press the red button on the wall under the flip-up plastic plate. The shop doubles as a panic room, presses the red button again for three seconds. Can you tell her that? Yes. Now, how are you doing? Hannah asked. There are holes in my memory. I'm just noticing. I don't know how long it's been happening. It's scary, Ben admitted. Dr. Granger and I have spoken with Tina and Catherine. They've indicated that you've been having moments where you seem to go away. It's only been recent, though, and it seems to be combined with headaches and nightmares. When you were brought in, we gave you and Marie and a battery of other tests and found nothing physical to explain these symptoms. Physically, you're healthy as a horse. Dr. Granger has some ideas, but she'll speak to you about that. Hannah said, brushing the hair from his forehead. 
Ben pressed back against her fingers as best he could. Hannah smiled down at Ben and leaned down to kiss his forehead, but he tilted his head up intentionally, this time to reach her lips. She stopped before she reached him and looked into his eyes. He looked lost and he was looking for a connection. She allowed her head to descend further until her lips were lightly brushing his. His breath caught and he gently pressed his mouth against hers. He stroked her bottom lip with his, and it was Hannah's turn to gasp as tingles raced down her spine. He captured her top lip between his lips and gently nibbled his way to the corner of her mouth. Hannah was trembling and rested her hand on his powerful chest, feeling it rise and fall with his breathing and the thump of his quickly beating heart. Ben sucked at Hannah's lower lip and ran his teeth over its surface tantalizingly. Hannah wanted to pull off her tight business suit and to climb on Ben butt. He needed her help more than he needed this. She closed her eyes tight and pressed her lips against his one last time before she pulled back, escaping the almost magnetic pull of his mouth. Ben's eyes were half-lidded and searched hers when she reopened them. You need to get better, Ben. Speak with the doctor, okay? Let her in. Let her help you, please, Hannah gasped quietly. Ben couldn't trust his voice, so he just nodded while he kept his eyes on hers. She pulled away and walked from the room, not looking back, not wanting to see the effect she'd had on his body. Stepping out the door, she stumbled to a stop as she almost bumped into Dr. Granger. Her face went red as she realized the doctor had seen everything. Checking up on me, Dr. Granger? she asked roughly. Confirming my faith in you was justified, the doctor replied. Well? It was, Granger smiled. She walked back towards her office and Hannah followed after a moment. Once they were seated, the doctor unlocked her drawer and pulled out a thick dossier. She looked at Hannah, Ben's past, his foster care records. How did you get them so fast? Hannah gasped. I'd like to say it was magic, but the fact is they were here in the building. The original child welfare office was in the basement of the hospital years ago. Now it's just record storage. My contact at child services got back to me, and he told me that for records as old as the ones I wanted, they'd be in the stored here. I went down to the basement and the filing clerk. There is a savant and found Ben's records in minutes. Some of these were sealed by the court, but as his doctor, I'm allowed to review them for his treatment. Sealed by the court? Ben was in trouble with the police as a youth? She nodded. I found Mrs. Cosburn. These were the sealed records. Ben was twelve when he went to live with foster parents Walter and Margaret Cosburn. Walter was a machinist, a big man and an alcoholic. Margaret was a petite woman who was very caring and nurturing. One night, Walter got drunk and beat his wife to death with his bare hands in the backyard of their house. Ben and another foster care boy named Richard Fenn arrived home late from school and the police suspect Ben fought with Walter because Ben was beaten badly. Ben may have beaten Walter with a monkey wrench as his fingerprints were on it. The monkey wrench was also used to damage the home's gas meter and the barber key. Something ignited the gas, causing a massive explosion, which destroyed the house and ultimately killed Walter and Richard. 
The police report indicated that they found Ben soaking wet and kneeling in the scorched earth of the backyard, holding the burnt and broken body of Mrs. Cosburn. He must have been in the pool during the explosion, but he was catatonic and couldn't recall any of the events. They took him to trial, but the judge found there was insufficient evidence to prove Ben had been responsible. They simply put him back in the system without therapy and sealed the records. Dr. Granger looked at Hannah. He suppressed the memories. Abusive father figure, murdered caring mother figure, friend killed in the blast. Ben was 12 and took responsibility for all of their deaths. He stepped up and tried to save the woman, but it was too late. He tried to stop the abusive man and was beaten. For his efforts, they all died. Tina told us that he was staring at the blood on his hands when he was in the driveway. His memories surfaced that night and he relived them. Hannah had her hands over her mouth as she looked at the doctor in shock. The idea that a 12-year-old Ben had held himself responsible for those deaths was sickening. The idea that he still blamed himself and continued to relive it was horrifying. Wait! So he wasn't responsible for his actions against Eli Stern then. He was acting on the suppressed memories and post-traumatic stress, Hannah gasped. Is that your clinical diagnosis, Hannah? Granger smirked. Sorry, but it's true, right? Hannah pushed. Yes, that would be my diagnosis as well, she agreed. So, the restraints. Remain in place to protect him from himself. Ben needs to be treated for his suppressed memories first, the doctor insisted. Hannah paused, then nodded. She left the doctor's office and walked back to her own. She had called to make for Ben, 